Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. You're very welcome to Wednesday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Lots of guests and chat to come over the next couple of hours. And don't forget our contact numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text or across social media as well. Or you can call in the traditional way. 1850-715-958. Let's get straight to business today. My first guest is a well-known journalist, familiar face and voice on the national airwaves and a best-selling author of a number of books, primarily about people who've gone missing in Ireland. Barry Cummins joins us this afternoon as his latest book is published. It's called Missing and I tell you, it's absolutely brilliant. Barry, you're welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jerry. Thank you for joining me. I suppose here's a fact I want to throw out and it's all part of your publicity for this book and it's a long time. 1950 to the present, 900 people have vanished. That's a massive number, Barry, an average of, say, 130 per year. But here's the question I want to ask you from, from your work and research here. Given our population, is that above or below an international average? It's below some of the international averages. When you look at the bigger countries like the United States and in Britain as well, especially in England, uh, more people will go missing per head of population uh, and will not be found. But I still think 900 for an island nation is something which is very troubling, that there's no, there's no land border to get to another, another place beyond this island. And uh, it, it just makes you really look at that figure. That 900, now I don't know the names of most of those 900, because within that figure, uh, there are people who sadly have gone missing and they had no loved ones to report them missing. It just became established over time uh, that somebody had had failed to collect their social welfare benefits or whatever else, unaccounted for, never found again. Uh, and then other families will report a loved one missing to Gardaí, but say, for whatever reason, they don't want any publicity. Uh, so there's different types of cases, but then you have the other cases where uh, there are dozens upon dozens of people who've gone missing where I would say it's a murder case and where uh, there's something very sinister behind the disappearances of of a number of those people who've gone missing in this country. Now, gangland crime aside, and you're well aware of what's been happening where you are here with us today and in Dublin in, in recent days, you know that film, uh, no, no Country for Old Men, but when you look at the figures and this book in particular focusing on women and children, it's sad to say, but Ireland is a dangerous place for women and children. No country yeah, for them. It, well, it, and today you could say that today in many ways, but also going back to very recent decades, Ireland was a different place in many ways to the, the way it is now in terms of uh, going missing and the ability that a killer would have to make somebody vanish, to make them disappear, to 
murder somebody and hide their body. Now, that still does happen, uh, has happened in recent years. Uh, and I'm thinking in particular in this part of the country of uh, William Mahan and Anna Varslevain, uh, a young couple who, who are believed murdered and their bodies have not been found. Um, but other cases in previous years, um, we were in a situation where there was no internet. Uh, an era before mobile phones and not, not too long ago younger people mightn't realise but say in the 1990s um, very few people had mobile phones CCTV was not as good as it is now um, and killers used all of that whether they realised it or not uh, they were using uh, that kind of world that we lived in to target women um, murder them hide their bodies and no trace being left, no trace being found. Um, and so it's a world today where people can and still do disappear, where murders do take place. But more often than not, some trace is left. I'm thinking in particular, there's two cases in recent years uh, which may be very instructive. Uh, Graham Dwyer murdered Elaine O'Hara. And Graham Dwyer uh, coaxed Elaine O'Hara through a park with a plan to murder her. But he was eventually found uh, and caught and convicted because of technology, because of the mobile phones that he had destroyed and put into a river, into a reservoir. But still those phones could be reactivated and and the text messages got back. Uh, That's one case where uh, technology helped to catch a killer. And also uh, the recent case of Patrick Quirk, uh, who is now convicted of murdering Bobby Ryan down in County Tipperary, Again, Patrick Quirk partly found and and caught and convicted based on internet searches that he had uh, made in relation to uh, how a body might decompose over time. And he had erased that internet search history. But, I mean, this is the thing. You never erase fully. You think you've erased your internet search history. It still exists. It's out there. Uh, And Gardy were able to retrieve it. And that was part of the case against Patrick Quirk. So that's showing where recently... Technology can help Gardaí catch killers. But a lot of the cases I've looked at predate this wonderful technology. Wonderful in many ways, not not, not in many others, I'd say. But um, uh, it's a time when uh, Gardaí didn't have those uh, facilities, those aids. They had to uh, roll up their sleeves and search for people. And sadly, uh, in many cases, they, they failed to find any of these missing people. It's a, a, an upside of technology that we often talk about, you know, yourself, the downsides of it, but it is a consolation for a lot of people, that connectivity that we have today. Can I ask you this, and, and you do talk about it in the book, in the cases you've highlighted here, the majority of these planned, methodical abductions as against opportunistic spur of the moment? Um some are, and that's the thing. Uh, some some fit the profile of uh, random cases uh, whereby a killer or killers has been driving through a particular place and I imagine has spotted somebody and uh, on the spur of the moment abducted that person. Now, they might have been cruising around, driving around looking for someone and they happen upon uh, particular victims. And there are cases like Deirdre Jacob who uh, went missing from the gate of her home in Newbridge in County Kildare in 1998. Jojo Dollard was hitching a lift late at night in Moon in County Kildare in 1995. Annie McCarrick, a young American woman living in Sandy Mount in Dublin, went for a walk in the Wicklow Mountains in 1993 and hasn't been seen since. But also going back even 
go back even further and there's uh, great excitement at th- th- this weekend ahead of uh, a concert in Slane. Um, back in 1987, among the tens of thousands of people who went to see David Bowie in Slane was Antoinette Smith uh, from Dublin. She went, had a great day, headed back into Dublin City that night with her friend. Uh, they got separated that night and her friend went home. Antoinette never went home, never seen alive again after that night. And a year later, her body was found buried in the Wicklow Mountains. Whoever murdered Antoinette Smith, uh, whoever happened to cross her in Dublin City that night and somehow managed to get her up the mountains, uh, whoever that is, was never found. And my argument in this book and my argument all along is that kind of person, whoever did that, if they weren't caught, they were going to do it again and again. And that's my wonder about this. all of this is is it possible that the same person who murdered Antoinette m- murdered Annie McCarrick or yes. targeted anybody else? Mm. We so just don't know. But, but, but it, it may be likely because you look at these dates in the 90s, a number of them in the same year as well, similar in many, many ways. The other thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, abduction, murdered, a sexual element to it. Maybe all of these or most of them? Well, I think in, in some, at those cases that I've mentioned uh, where uh, they're random uh, attacks, opportunistic attacks, it, it's quite possible that that, uh, that kind of abductor was, was uh, the person responsible. But then there are other cases where uh, other women disappeared in the 1990s where the cases would be, it's believed that they, they were murdered by people they knew where it was a different motive uh, for their abduction, for their murder, uh, perhaps born out of some some relationship that they may have had, uh, but that they knew their victims. And there's particular cases, uh, Fiona Sinnott in Wexford, Fiona Pender in County Offaly, Kira Breen, 17-year-old girl in Dundalk. Uh, it's believed all of those victims knew their killer. Uh, and they're, they're, those cases are unrelated so you just do the maths there, Jerry, and there's, there's a number of killers who got away with it and mm. were never brought to justice. Kira Brain, apt you mention her, and she's featured in this book. February 1977, uh, she left home. She was an only child, and it's believed she was in a relationship with an older man. And that man is it was it can be named now Liam Mullen. He has yeah. since passed on. Yeah, he has and passed on. He yeah. was arrested on a couple of occasions. He was arrested twice, and. Uh, I think I outline in 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 the chapter on Kira how uh, the arrests happened, and it's strange in a way that after both of the arrests, more information came out. Uh, so he was arrested in 1999. At that stage, there was enough evidence to lead Gardy to suspect he was involved uh, in Kira's disappearance. A number of young people, especially, saying that himself and Kira had been going out, had been in a relationship. He denied it. Um, but Gardy had enough to arrest him. Uh, after that arrest and the f- when that went public, more information came to Gardy. After he was released that time, more people came forward. Uh, so fast forward, in a sense, to 2015, when he was arrested the second time, uh, Gardy had even more information by then. Uh, there was also anonymous letters coming to Gardy. Uh, once Gardy made known that they were reinvestigating the case and making very specific appeals and appealing to people in Dundalk, uh, that's when more information came, nominating uh, Liam Mullen again as the person to be spoken with. And uh, he was arrested, questioned again. Uh, it was only after he was released that more information came out, uh, people contacting Gardy nominating 
Balmer's Bog near near the Garda station yes. as a place to be searched. A number of people uh, saying that they they had heard him talk about Balmer's Bog uh, and uh, leading Gardaí to say, well, there was a specific part of that area that had to be searched. And it was over August into September of 2015, a huge amount of work to search for Kira there. But at the end of it all, no trace of Kira was found. And he died in guarded custody himself uh, in 2017 uh, from a heroin uh, overdose, I think it was at the time. And the saddest part of this uh, is that Kira's mum, Bernadette, who was interviewed on this station a number of times as well in the, in the years subsequently, has passed away herself just a year ago last June, never knowing. Yeah, and I met Bernadette a number of times and every time she would talk about Kira, she would light up. Um, and she was suffering that awful uh, not knowing what happened to her only child. And it was, although Bernadette came from a wider family, the Coburns uh, in, in Dundalk, uh, it was just herself and Kira in the house. Uh, as an only child, uh, Kira was doted upon by Bernadette. Uh, Bernadette and her husband had split up uh, uh, many, many years before. So it was just the two of them. And uh, they had a great relationship, especially as Kira uh, grew uh, from from uh, a young girl into her teens and then into her late teens. They were the best of friends as well. But it's obvious, and Bernadette always spoke about it, that despite them being best, the best of friends, Kira had a secret. Kira uh, sneaked out of the house that night, uh, left the front room, the downstairs front room, uh, the window open, so she could get back in. So the belief was always that she was sneaking out in the dead of night to meet somebody she was going out with, to spend some time with him, and then sneak back into the house. So she got out of the house, she just never got back into the house. And uh, the fact that that secret uh, was there, uh, it's something Bernadette understood uh, that that children will do this. And and Kira was just a child. She was 17. And like many a 17-year-old, hoping or pretending or acting that they were much older, uh, but still a child. And uh, the very worst type of person targeted Kira and took her away from her mother and has kept her away from her mother ever since. And it's so sad that Bernadette did die without knowing where Kira was. They're all beyond this life now at this stage. Is there ever a possibility of the truth emerging in that case or is that a closed case now? No, I think it's it's quite possible the truth could come out. Uh, okay, the prime suspect is no longer alive but even looking at the what we do know, uh, he spoke to many people down the years about Kira, made many comments uh, and a lot of people didn't come forward until uh, almost 20 years after Kira disappeared. It was, say, 2015 when new information started coming in and there was strength in numbers that the more people talking about Kira, uh, the more information seemed to come out. And uh, I remember it was uh, Detective Inspector Pat Murray went on crime call uh, and made specific appeals to people at that time to contact the Guardian and Dock, and people did. Uh, so I still think there's information out there uh, where... Uh, the suspect may have spoken with other people, may have dropped some hint, because part of the frustration in this that particular case was uh, if it's Liam Mullen, 
if he, if Lee Mullen is the answer, he had also nominated other places in County Loud where Kira might be, if you're to believe uh, what some people had said. So it was it wasn't just Balmer's bog, although that was the focus. And there's still parts of that bog that haven't been searched. Only uh, a quarter, four acres out of 16 acres were searched. A very difficult terrain there, leaving the other 12. Uh, you'd wonder, could Kira be somewhere within those 12 acres? Or is she somewhere somewhere else entirely? Uh, we just don't know. But I still hold out the hope uh, that there's somebody out there who does. They may not even realise that that they 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 know exactly, but they they know something that would just point Gardy in the right direction. I'm not in the least surprised. This book is already a bestseller and will be. It's called Missing by Barry Cummins, and he's with me on late lunch today. I want to give away a signed copy of the book, and I'm trying to think of a question. Do you know we came in here wearing a navy and blue tracksuit top with AIG and O'Neill's and a crest of a county that's at the south of Louth and Mead? Do you know them? They've sort of won a few All-Irelands, four in a row. Where does he hail from? He obviously hails from that county. It's a simple, simple question. Would you like the book What County Is Barry Cummins From? He's wearing the top today. I'm right you're from that county, aren't I? I am, yes, yes, you are indeed, just in case I get caught out there. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text Barry Cummins Home County for a copy of this book signed. This is an interesting question. Thank you, Vera. Will you ask Barry why the justice system in cases suspend the remainder of a sentence in such serious crimes and long sentences? You've seen this many times yeah. and you yeah. refer to it many times in the book. Yeah, um, every case is different, but normally what happens is it's a case uh, where the person will have to be released at some stage. So it's not a life sentence for murder. It may be for a very serious other crime, be it manslaughter or or a rape case, or uh, another very violent type of crime. And it's part of the whole idea, whether you like it or not, about rehabilitation. So if somebody, for example, is given 20 years with five suspended, the idea is that they'll serve their 15. Well, they'll only serve three quarters of that because of the the further uh, help they'll get. But that the other five years will hang over them, that they be of good behaviour for that five years, that they not come to the attention of Gardaí. So it's, it's to try and make sure that they know they're being watched for that time but it's it's a huge frustration for for many families of victims or many victims themselves to know that there's this suspension uh, of a sentence but that's that's what it's there for um and there, there is great criticism of it and just Barry, I just want to do this for listeners sort of context because this dawned on me as I read the book. The chapters are on the following Annie McCarrick, Jojo Dullard, Fiona Pender, Kira Breen, Fiona Sinnott, Deirdre Jacob, uh, Mary Boyle, Philip Cairns, Mariora Rostas, that young Romanian girl more yeah. recently that was abducted in daylight in Dublin. When you just mention all those names, I realise. I've lived through so much of this and in reading this it brought it all back to me but I want to pick out one of those before we finish up in particular Uh, and it's Fiona Pender because this is a really tragic and sad case there's only one member of that family alive Yeah Um, and Fiona uh, was pregnant seven months pregnant when she was murdered and her body and that of her unborn baby uh, that body was hidden Um, she had already lost her older brother Mark uh, in a, a, a motorcycle tragedy. Uh, so it was herself and her parents and her younger brother, John. Uh, and Fiona was in a relationship herself uh, and looking forward to the birth of her baby. August 1996, Fiona Pender disappeared from Church Street in Tullamore, where she was living in a flat. Hasn't been seen since. Uh, and uh, very quickly, her family 
and Gardy came to the belief that she had been murdered. Uh, it wasn't a random type case that there was uh, a different answer that she knew her killer uh, and that she has not been found uh, very sadly in the aftermath of all this. And this is about the ripple effect of violence uh, and the not knowing in missing persons cases. Her father, uh, Sean, took his own life some years later, uh, leaving uh, just uh, Josephine, Fiona's mother, and John, the younger brother. And sadly, uh, just a year ago, uh, Fiona's mother, Josephine, died as well. And many people would, would remember Josephine as a, a, a fearless and tireless campaigner, not only for her missing daughter, but for other missing people as well. And I think there's a commonality there in terms of, you think of Kira Breen's mother, Bernadette, uh, and Fiona Pender's mother, Josephine, uh, both relatively young women who died uh, and who suffered awful anguish uh, not knowing where their daughters were and who died not knowing where their daughters are. Uh, and you say, you rightly say, Jerry, leaving Fiona Pender, leaving just one living relative, that's John, her younger brother. He, uh, in terms of looking uh, beyond that awful tragedy, John is in a relationship. He has a young daughter himself. Uh, he copes. Uh, he, uh, he is now taken up the mantle. He fights for his missing sister. Uh, he honours the memory of his mother and father and and he is the new generation of campaigner. And you rightly say you've lived through it, I've lived through it, decades of these missing people and younger generations then are forced to pick up the pieces, continue on, fight the fight. And you'll see that in many of these cases that it'll be the the children when somebody disappeared become the adults of tomorrow and they will be the ones to continue to campaign as long as all these people are missing and, and there are so many of them. But that's the thing. They're out there. They can be found. Uh, the excavations can be done, the searches, if the information is given. And that's what Gardaí need. They need the information to know where to start looking. I have to congratulate you, not on, alone on this book, but on your work over the years uh, on Thank the you. National Airwaves and on television and the writing of these books as well. You are keeping the candle lit for so many people and it just must be devastation for people. It's the living death for those remaining. There's no doubt about that. Congratulations on the book. It's called Missing by Barry Cummins. One copy to give away, signed by the man himself. What county does he hail from? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Thank you so much for Thank joining you. us on Late Lunch today. Thanks, Jerry. Competition time on late lunch in conjunction with Windsor, Clonee, Nissan and Peugeot who are celebrating their 192 Open Day this Saturday and LMFM will be there. They've given us a €100, Euro, one for all voucher to give away each day this week. So here's your chance to win. Your entries please to 086 1800 658 by WhatsApp or text. And remember if you enter you'll be included in a draw next Saturday and you could win an annual family pass to Dublin Zoo. So you'll win one way or the other. Here's the question today. Have you popped into your car in Cluny and set off for Galway City when you arrived? How many kilometres would you have completed? Is it 201, 199 or 196? Cluny to Galway City, 201, 199 or 196, 086, 658 with your name and details, please. Now, I'm joined on Late Lunch by Bobby's mum. Who am I talking about? Bobby Carlin. He's two years of age and he's already undergone two open heart surgeries with a third expected to take place later this year. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch to 10 
tell his story, his mum, Andre Carlin. Andre, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me. Now, before we talk about Bobby, I do want to mention your late sister, Dara Breen Connolly, who I interviewed. Will you remind me when? Was that long ago I interviewed her? Um, I don't believe you interviewed herself. What? I believe it was um, you interviewed um, a girl called Jeanette McDonnell. That's who it was. Yes, now yeah. I've made the link. Yeah. I know who you're talking yes, about. Yes. But at the time, uh, Dara was really ill. She certainly was, yes. yes. She needed to go abroad? She did, yes. Um, she um, Dara was diagnosed with cervical cancer and um, she went for alternative treatment in Germany after her chemo and mm. radiation didn't work so yeah. But sadly she didn't make it. She didn't make it sadly yeah unfortunately. When did she, she pass away? She passed away on March 30th and um, two years ago. Right. Yeah. Ah, we remember Dara Breen Connolly today on the yeah. show. I just wanted to mention yes, her. thank you. Because that was a real touching story and yes. she left se- seven children. Seven right? children yes mm. seven children yeah her husband and seven children. And we wish them well and think of them thank as you. well today. Now little Bobby's with you but he's out in the he's car. He's asleep car. is he? He is asleep Yes. <laughs> so you have a great story because, first of all, Bobby's not your only child. How many have you? I have four children. Ranging in age from what? Um, my eldest, Byron, is um, 12. He's almost 12. And then I have Rosie, who's 10, and then Ruby, who is four. And Bobby came along then. He's Bobby the youngest and he's two years and of age. And he's two years of age, now, yes. you're a split family. Explain yes. this. Split. The children are split <laughs> nationality-wise. They are, yes. I have um, two Irish kids and I also have two Kiwi kids. <laughs> <laughs> two were born here and two were born in New Zealand, where we lived for seven years. So we came back there in 2017, just um, not too long after Dara died. Yeah. Um, so Why did yeah. you go in the first place? We went at the time of the recession when it kicked off here. Like so many so, more. Yeah, like so many more. Um, myself and my husband had lived in New Zealand previous to that for two years. So we kind of knew what we were going back to. So we chose to go back to New Zealand and yeah, that was that was it. <laughs> now when you're there, as you say, you have the first two Irish and you go out there and then yes. you have two more. <laughs> yes. And okay, you've had three pregnancies, three normal pregnancies, no issue with the, the three older children. No what issues. was your pre- pregnancy on Bobby like? Were there complications? Um, funny enough, no. Bobby's pregnancy went, it was going extremely well um, up on until the 20-week anatomy scan, um, which is something I don't believe they do in Ireland, um, but they do it over there. And I went in just for the regular scan and this lady said to me, I believe there's something wrong with your baby's heart and we're going to send you over to the hospital. Um, at that time, I the same day, I actually had to go to the hospital. I had pregnancy diabetes. So I remember meeting with the pregnancy diabetes doctor and I said to her about the baby and the heart condition and I said look just tell me what's the worst I can hear and she said to me well the worst thing you can hear if you hear hypoplastic left heart syndrome that's the worst and I said well phew well I never heard that thankfully I didn't hear that so um, I went for my next appointment and they believed that Bobby had something called a coarctation of the aorta, which would mean that he would need surgery after he was born, but should, you know, be okay, go on through life and be okay, be monitored, but be okay. Um, We were living in Christchurch and the heart hospital is in Starship in Auckland, which is an hour and 20 minute flight away. So I flew up to, I had to deliver Bobby in Auckland to the adjacent hospital. And three days before I had him, they took me for one more last scan. And I came out of that scan and they said, Mrs. Carlin, um, you need to get your husband 
and my husband wasn't with me. He was with the other kids. So he came up and they brought us into a room and they told us um, that Bobby has this condition called hypoplastic left heart syndrome. So you heard the words yes. right on the cusp of delivery yes. that you did not want to hear. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. What did they say to you? What were the implications of this diagnosis for him? For him, um, if if he makes it through the birth, um, he will be assessed to see if he can go through with a form of three three surgeries. There are three palliative surgeries. Um, Luckily, when he was born, the heart team were ready and waiting for him and they whisked them off. And five days later, he had his first open heart surgery. At five five days? days, Yeah, five days. Can you imagine dealing with that little heart and that little boy? It's the size of a walnut, would you believe? They go in and operate on the size of a walnut. So I just think these surgeons are amazing. Remarkable. Just unbelievable. Yeah. That's a very tough time I'm sure for you and your it husband. It was, it was because we were over there on, you know, our own. So to hear the news initially was just very, very difficult. Yeah, very difficult. This boy is a fighter. Oh, he's such a little warrior. He really is. He yeah. came through this. He came completely through his first surgery. Um, God bless him. He couldn't feed for the first five days. So um, he was, that broke my heart as a mum to see your baby hungry, even though they were telling me, you know, he, he's been fed with some sort of line, but he would still feel the hunger. So that broke my heart. So I think when he came out after the surgery and had his first bottle, that was just, I love that. It was just, you, re- you remember that those moment little and just things. see it in your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, just those little things. Well, that's yeah. a great lift, you know, and, yeah. and you can see progress. Mm-hmm. Is he in hospital long or do you get him home? What, how does that work? Well, when we were over there, um, after his surgery, it depends on Bobby, basically. There's some kids that, don't come out between their first and second surgery. Um, we were told that he had a 90% chance of dying between the first and second surgery. So it was, we were told, yeah, don't be planning to get out of here anytime okay. soon. So he stays in hospital. He stays in hospital, but luckily we got out of hospital. Oh, he really? came true. And before got, the second before one? Before the second one, he actually, yes, he got out. Yeah, so he's he's our, he's our little fighter. He's Carolyn's, I built his stair and stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. That's for sure. So when does the second operation happen? What so age is he? The second operation then happened... Um, I my sister died in March. Um, I flew home for her funeral, which was a quite. It was a difficult decision because, as such, you grieving for you know my beautiful sister, but at at the same time, I was leaving a son who had a ninety percent chance of dying between the first and second surgery. So, I flew home and I flew back out again. Within two weeks, he had his second surgery, so which is called the Glen the Glen surgery. So he went in for that and again he came out of it and um, they were very impressed and how he did come out of it and he came out quite he recovered quite quickly actually from that one which was great yeah and today now that he's two is that the most recent recent surgery he's had that's right so those two are done those two are done now, yes you with me today because you want to highlight a few things here and yes. first off He's out there in the car, but he you is. say if you saw him, you wouldn't really notice there's a lot up with him. Not if you've seen him, Jerry, which I'm sure will be. We will. Soon, yeah. Um, if you seen, you wouldn't think there was a thing wrong with him. It's such an invisible condition. Um, the only time you would see maybe 
um, at times when he's sick. Um, more recently, though, because he's coming into, he's coming up to his next surgery, he's very breathless. So when he goes outside and plays with the other kids, he's coming back in. He's sleeping an awful lot more now, um, a lot more bluer and things like that. But apart apart from those things, no, you wouldn't think there was a thing wrong with him. Have you not unwrapped in cotton wool? At times, I suppose during the winter time we do because for flu season, of course, we kind of because mm. we're my. I suppose I was lucky that Bobby was my fourth child because with the other kids, I was very much like you know if anyone had a flu, don't worry about it, they'll pick it up. But all kids need to pick it up with them. And Bobby came along. We were told, we were actually told in the hospital, um, you know. He, how serious it is for him to pick up a flu because he only has half a heart. It's it's harder for him to get over rather than my other kids. So that's the nub of this. I know yes. you use the technical term and yes. the big name there for yes. it. Really, he has 50% functionality in that's his heart. That's exactly it, yeah. yeah Bottom that, line. That's exactly it. So yeah. when you have that, you can imagine the difficulty of pumping that's right. all the blood around the system to all the organs that's and right. that's where the problem is. Yes. So you mentioned the third operation there. Yes. Yes. When is that due? So that's due at the end of the summer. Yeah, so he's um, not too long away. He's going in. It's, it's called the Fonton operation. And well, what will that do? That will basically, um, it's the last of the three surgeries that they can do. And it will redirect his blood. That it's not going to be that one side of his heart is going to be, um, it still will be only one side, but at the same time, it'll just help him along a little okay, bit. Okay, it'll yeah. give him greater functionality. It will give him, yeah, it will give him, we don't know how long it will give him for. That's the only thing. It's something that they they don't know themselves. 30 years ago, when kids were born with this, they there was nothing for them. They were, they were left to die. So there's no. And would they have lived no, a year, two years? No, be, no not they, even that. Five days, yeah. Five days they would have. Yeah, yeah. So and he's now two, and heading for three. And heading for three, yeah. And yeah. another surgery. Yes. Now back to the point I was addressing with you a moment ago. That, so the third procedure happens now as yes. he's approaching his third birthday. Yes. How far will that get him? Are you being told then? Um, they... At the minute, we've been told that he has a 50% chance to make it until he's 20. Um, and if he gets that far as such, because a lot of these kids with HLHS um, develop heart or sorry, liver um, disease and kidney failure in their teenage years. So there's no cure for this at all. Um, we've been told that. And there's no child in Ireland at the moment that's living over the age of 20 with this condition. You know the way medical science is advancing yes, all the time? we're very positive. 20 years is a lot of years. I always say, you know, like... I meant like 30 years ago, there was no mobile phones. So things like that. Now, Andre, yeah, yourself yeah. and Mal, your husband, yeah, that's the way that's, to yeah. to think about this because yeah. there are major, major changes day on day, never mind month and month, year and year. That's right. Absolutely. Now, I did say this recently to a professor in um, Dublin and um, he did say that he'd be long retired before that has, that will happen unfortunately mm. but look if we never give up hope. Never. You, you cannot give no, up hope. No, absolutely. Here's the other thing. 
Is he a candidate or is there an option for a transplant ever? Well, that would be the final stage as such. So if he goes for this um, Fonton operation and it doesn't work, um, he will go forward then to be put on a transplant list. Um, But that alone has its... um, complications because you have to be eligible for a heart, a new heart and also um, the medications for for the new, for the donor heart and it accepting can be quite hard and then also we've been told that a donor heart maximum will be 15, sorry 10 to 15 years and so that's something that we'd, we'd hope that would be later down the line. Okay, and yeah. sort of at the end of the line, yes. if it had to be considered. Yes, yes. How do his brothers and sisters get on him? I, I did say the cotton wool thing to you because, yes, you know, I, yes, I understand yes. when you have one that's, you know, you have to yeah. be careful because children are children. They'll rough and tumble and run and do, he'll yeah. want to do all this. All good, yeah. But yeah. how do they, you yeah. know, do they treat him a little different or? No, not at all, actually. Um, now, of course, he's spoiled rotten. <laughs> why um, not? Why not? Um, the youngest. Yes, absolutely. In fact, he um, and he's lots of cousins as well. Um, his lovely little cousin Molly was ten on last Sunday, and to show how much like she, they just adore him. Bobby is obsessed with tractors and cows, and she got a tractor bouncing castle just for Bobby, even though it was her birthday. So it was just so lovely. What's her name? Molly. Oh, yeah. Molly. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. You're so a great lovely. one. I yeah. love, that's a lovely little touch. Yeah. It really is. But again, back to, you wanted to tell a story here today. Absolutely. And it is a rarity, we, 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 we tell people. But two things again to come back to. Mm-hmm. As I said to you earlier, when you look at them, and I've seen the pictures you yes. would think that Bobby's just Bobby, like oh, any yeah. other two-year-old. Like other two-year-old but does yeah. that, in a way, mask what you want people to hear and understand? Is that Absolutely. why you're here? Absolutely. Abs- well, more so, as well as that, but also for organ donation. You know, yes. there is a wee girl in Crumlin at the moment. Her name is Holly. And a beautiful little girl and an even more fantastic mum, Jessica O'Mahony. And they've been there since 2017 and they're waiting on a new heart for Holly. And at the moment, they don't do heart transplants for kids in Ireland. So you have to travel to Great Homan Street. So that itself is quite difficult, mm. being separated from family and things like that. And the numbers, am I right in saying, of organ donations from children mm-hmm. and, and tragedies sadly happen, sadly happen all the absolutely, time absolutely yes is not growing in fact it may have declined a little bit or be yes. steady in yes. the last 10 years is that yes fair? absolutely yeah. like for adults it has improved so much mm. and in fact there is a gentleman in my own community um lovely man John Brennan who's just received his heart transplant um and he was quite ill and received it so it was fantastic to hear that but unfortunately for kids um, donors, it's nobody wants to, you know, think of the tragedy of, you know, a child dying. But at the same time, you know, one family's heartbreak can be another family's miracle. So I think of little Jess, our little Holly waiting on her little heart, you know. So you want today to appeal to people. Yes. To please God, nobody finds themselves in, in this situation. But Absolutely. sadly, some will. Yes. And what you want to get the message out today here is that if you happen to be in that situation, yes. think of donation. Please do. Please do. Because it really is giving another child a chance of life. Yeah. 
And that's such a special thing yes. to do. It really yes, is. It you know, really we can is. we can as adults make the decision ourselves and I hope yes. most people have done that at this stage. But for children, yes. it comes to the guardians or parents to make that it call does. in, in does. the circumstances. And mm. I I can see myself even before having Bobby, you know, it probably would have been a question mark. It's, I suppose it's even things like defibrillation. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pictures and things like that. I never heard tell of them before, really. Um, or, not that I didn't hear tell of them. I didn't take any interest in them. But I know in my local community, there's one outside um, Andrew Smith's shop in Talonstown. And after speaking with Caroline and Andrew recently, they told me numerous times it's been used. So it's, you know... It's saved lives. It's saved lives, exactly. It really has. Yeah. Getting back to him and um, the future and, and, and how he is today. Of yeah. course, seasonality, you touched on it there. Yes. Some, I'm sure late spring, summer, autumn is great. But when the weather turns, yes, so yes. Uh, a cold or a chest infection or yes. anything like that is difficult for Bobby. It's very difficult for Bobby, extremely difficult for Bobby. Um, what we've been told that if Bobby's in a room with someone that's sick, you either ask that person to leave or you get that you get Bobby out, you know, because his chances of going to Crumlin is quite high, you know. You're on. Tenterhooks, really, then for a, a part of yes. the year, a great part of the year, like yes, because a good, yes. Mm. But we, you know, we have a good community. I know Santi came, flew into Talonstown um, at Christmas time, which was fantastic. Oh, he, oh, he loves Talonstown. Absolutely, one of its favourite places in the world. Yes, absolutely. Of course, the Glide Rangers. He loves the yes. Glide Rangers. So um, he came to Talonstown, and we had lovely friends there that allowed us to take Bobby in first to meet Santi, rather than waiting in the community hall with um, a lot of other people. So community and family and friends have been fantastic yeah oh look at it we i see it time and time again in this country when uh, we're called to arms yes. to help with that yes you saw it with yes. your sister as well i did you know, at it that was, time oh absolutely talents and community what they done for my sister was just amazing we're yeah. marvelous people yes. and we have a lot of things that drive us mad about the yes, country and understandably yeah, and we're yeah. not a perfect but you know something when it comes to family friends community yes and especially the health of a child absolutely absolutely i think it really does yeah. get to people absolutely and we, we do things we certainly yes. do Anyway, thank you for dropping in today to tell his story. I wish you well with Operation Number 3 thank soon. Thank you very much. And please, God, the years travel on and he grows up and yes. science brings the solution Absolutely. that he needs. I'm just being a greedy mommy. I want him to live on and of have course him to you do. get married and have yes. children. That's, you know, that's our hope. <laughs> and I pray today that thank your you. hope 
and thank dreams you. yours thank and Mal you. and all the family thank you thank you very much for, for having me thank you for joining us on the show it's been a real pleasure thank and uh, he's a great one he inspires he me does. at two years of <laughs> yes. age and I'm going to go and say hello to yes. him now but as I do I want to play out with this just thank for you thank and you. Bobby especially and all of the family thank you it's Christina Aguilera and he is beautiful very good thank you shoes for the summer well if you do here's an offer you can't refuse get over to the lmfm facebook page and you could win a 50 euro footwear voucher every day this week the competition is to celebrate the new summer range at ireland's largest shoe store shoe city in castle blaney and i can confirm it is i was there the christmas before last and me feet have been fine since that's all i'll say anyway 50 euro voucher to be won lmfm's facebook page check it out time for one of our regular features on late lunch and it's one i really love we're going to talk business for the next while i'm joined today by a man who's with us each time we do this it's brendan casey from the mill also with us today is the treasurer of drogheda chamber ken rooney and the featured business today yes she was with me in late lunch way back i'm going to remind her about that in a moment it's anne riley from paycheck plus you're all very welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. And it's great to see you again. I pulled out the notes from 2011, Anne. Can you imagine all that time ago, over eight years ago? And, you know, it makes interesting reading when you go back and just remind yourself what we talked about back then. Now, there's been a lot of water under the bridge for uses then, so I won't ask you to remember. But here, I have a thing on this saying, you started in your garage. Is that true? That is absolutely true. Yeah, it was a converted garage now. It yeah. wasn't exactly with cars and paint in it. <laughs> but yes, it was. we were building a house at the time and we were building a garage beside the house. And at the last minute, we decided to change it into an office. So that's where it all began. And you obviously had a career before you decided to strike out on your own. What did you do I beforehand? did. I, I had a number of, of jobs, I suppose. My, my longest spell was actually here in Drogheda in the old margarine factory, Unilever McDonald's margarine factory. And payroll was one of the jobs I did there. Subsequently moved to Heinz and Dundalk where we made fresh food, fresh fruit fresh pizzas for yeah. delivery to the UK market in particular. And then I did a while teaching, national school teaching. So, yeah, very, very oh, great. <laughs> a wide and varied experience, haven't you? 
What made you break for the border, so to speak, and go on your own? Yeah, I suppose, um, well, one of the factors was that I had four little boys under the age of five. So that was challenging in itself. And I was teaching at the time and I decided I really didn't want to spend 24 hours a day with children of that age. So um, I decided payroll was one of the jobs I'd always loved. And I went back to do formal payroll training because there wasn't formal training when I did it the first time round. And from that, I um, subsequently became a lecturer in payroll and employment law and was lecturing for the Irish Payroll Association. And I saw a niche in the market for information because um, at that time, and it is 14, 15 years ago, um, revenue, uh, we found that we had to ring three times. The first time we got one answer, second time we got a second answer, and the third time we kind of went with two, two out of three. <laughs> so um, bad. I felt that there was a need for um, a source for people to go to, employers to go to, whether they were small or they were big, and um, hadn't really known anything about payroll bureaus at the time. So it was very much, and still is, about sharing information and making sure that people get the best outcome from their pay. So that's that's where it all started. That's the bottom line. So in a nutshell, what do you do today? We look after payroll for companies, small, medium and large, um, private sector, public sector, um, multinationals. So we take in their hours at a basic level and we turn those into pay slips. So looking after everything in between from their benefit package to their pensions, their share options, um, a lot of global mobility uh, employees nowadays. The world is a much smaller place. So we're dealing with employees that move from company to company around the world. So very, very interesting mix. You know, you have foreign exchange in there. You have uh, so much going on and particular GDPR and all that data mm. protection stuff as well. It's a big uh, part of any business payroll. So to outsource it is certainly uh, one headache uh, removed from exactly. in-house. You're international. So if you if you talk there about employees mm. Moving. Do you work for companies outside of Ireland? Yeah, in fact, our, our clients come from 18 different countries around the world. But um, for them, we look after Irish payroll and more recently UK payroll. In fact, we're just stepping out and opening our office in Manchester at the moment. Will Brexit have any effect on you? Oh, you know, that's I kind of look at that and I say, we're going into the UK when everyone yeah. else is moving <laughs> out. But as Ken will know from his role, <laughs> the best time to buy property is when it's at its low. So, that's yes, you know, we're taking that very approach. Very true. It's our clients that are pulling us there. So, mm. it's great. so you start with the power of one in this converted garage. Tell me how many people work for you today. There's 20 at the moment and hopefully six more coming on in the next few weeks. What a great news story this is. What's the secret of your success? Having the best possible team and looking after them because they are the ones who are actually doing the work. I'm I'm out promoting the company now which is great uh, but I like to be hands on as well. Um, But the team that we have when I say they are the best in the world, I mean they are the best in the world mm. and um, they're an absolute tribute um, to our clients, to the company and most of all to themselves. Brendan, come in, come in and win as they say. What about this wonderful woman and, and her business? She is a shining example, isn't she, of somebody who started so small. She's the acorn and now the oak tree is there. Yeah, it's a great example. I mean, and that's really what we're looking for in Drogheda. You know, not everybody can go from one to five to ten to twenty and internationalise but you know that's I suppose from the mills perspective and obviously from the chamber perspective as well you know being able to build up an international standard company is 
a great achievement and you know if we can have a, a few more uh, Anne Wileys out there it would be great uh, <laughs> I can I can see it I can I can uh, the same way people are going over to uh, to California to see Hewlett Packard's garage I can see them all heading out to ahead now and having a look at that garage uh, this is this is where Paycheck Plus was set up <laughs> God almighty he's in with another innovation for you Anne, already today but that's what he does best that's what he sees but on a serious note like you look at yourself there in the mill and yeah. providing space to somebody where you see them, you know, starting up. Mm. And then, of course, when you look at hand situation, you need more space all of a sudden. You're getting bigger. That in itself, are, are both of those space and more employees, they're huge challenges. Yeah, uh, and we're seeing, you know, recruitment and staff and, you know, Anne mentioned the quality of our team and, you know, we've huge demographics in the region, but actually holding on to that skill set, uh, you know, is a key core aim of the mill and the chamber at the moment it's something that we're very much focusing on uh, trying to you know attract the commuters back uh, you know those guys that are taking the bus and the trains every day they don't sometimes realise the quality of the jobs that are in the likes of Paycheck Plus and the other companies mm. and that there's enough and probably just as importantly that there's enough jobs that they can move you know and it might be from Johar to Navan or another company in Johar or Dundalk but there's enough in the northeast region uh, and that's a core aim that we have to push out there as well that uh, there are opportunities. Um, yeah, and isn't it far nicer to be commuting Dundalk, Drogheda, Drogheda, Dundalk, Dundalk, Navin, yes. Drogheda, Navin, you know, yeah. that type of uh, triangle that we have here. Dan going into the city and trying to get back out. And they was, oh my God, I don't know how yeah. people do it at, at times. Yeah. Let me bring Ken Rooney from the Chamber in. He's treasurer. How many years are you involved, Ken, with the, with the Chamber? AGMs tomorrow will be eight years, Jerry, now, and three, four years as treasurer. So it's, it's uh, flown by and with a big massive week this week we're celebrating our 125th anniversary which is a massive milestone so we have our AGM tomorrow and we're having celebrations at half seven at the hotel so we're asking members past present future to come and join us raise a glass to celebrate one of the longest uh, chambers in existence in Ireland so it's, it's a really really big day for us so. You are uh, an umbrella for businesses like Anne's uh, uh, as well and you yourself have a lot of experience in the banking sector and the finance and Anne alluded to it there yes. a moment ago. What do you make of the niche she's you know, forged for herself I, with I, this I business? I just think it's a fantastic story and you know you hear these stories about starting in your garage or in your kitchen and expanding on and and I suppose this is one of the aims of this initiative between ourselves and the mill and yourself, Jerry, is getting these stories out there. And obviously, Anne had massive challenges along the way and obviously had to diversify probably in different crossroads. So it's, it's resonating that with our members that are probably sitting in a kitchen at the moment trying to, you know, where is the next invoice or sale coming from? How do they get staff? So I just think it's a fantastic. It's, it's what the chamber in the middle is all about. It's just it's gone global now as well. So it's it's... 15 years on is it? Almost, yeah. So it's, it doesn't happen overnight and, and plenty of sleepless nights I'm sure but it's trying to get that message out to our other members and saying you know, Anne's done a bit of hard work and there's loads of challenges in the way but don't give up and keep on driving. Are you saying to me as well from your experience and Brendan can come in on this in a minute yeah. are people sitting on ideas like Anne's at the moment you know on their tard or maybe with somebody else beside them and they just are sitting there thinking you know how do I make this happen? Yeah and that's why we're trying to get the message the Chamber can offer so whether it's working capital whether it's resources, whether it's, it's staffing, property. So it's, we're getting, you know, the chamber are there to direct people. We have a massive experience within the council. 
Um, and if we can't answer that, unlikely, but if we can't, we have members to reach out to. So we, we are getting, we, we, we would hope we be the first point of contact that we could direct people, uh, whether it's, as I say, it's working capital or it's, it's, it's staffing or resources. So there's definitely people out there look, take it to the next level, but might need a bit of advice to bring it mm. to that next level. So, and we would be there to cater for that. And, the the other thing is you uh, mentioned a moment ago, Brendan, was the thing of commuting, and a lot of people from this area are travelling from Dundalk, from Navin, Drogheda into the city, and it's just uh, very difficult at times. Is there a will in government? Is there a want? And 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 the way we're all in the chamber, in yourselves, and everything. Do you know to to get more people like Anne to base here and offer the the employment opportunities? Yeah, there's. I mean, one of the things that the mill and Drogheda Chamber of Commerce worked on in the last month, well, the last six months actually, uh, was the launch of the M1 Cowder.ie website, which really shows uh, all the demographics, the skill base, uh, the opportunities in some of the key sectors like financial services, like engineering, like food. Uh, so if you look at the M1 Cowder.ie. Uh, it wasn't just the Drogheda Initiative, Dundalk Chamber of Commerce, Oil, Enterprise Hub as well were involved. So there was four core groups in Loud. And very much, you know, we all have the same uh, issues. You know, this, Dundalk has got a lot of commuters as well. So, of you know, it's supposed to be yes. the M1. So we've, we've sort of recognised that. I would say from a government perspective, you know, there's a lot of talk about regionalisation at the moment. Uh, it's coming up in, uh, you know, for instance, they launched a new financial services plan in the end of April and the M1 payments corridor, which Anne works with us on as well, was, you know, highlighted as a great example of regionalisation. But I think there's probably still a bit more work that needs to be put into a lot of these initiatives as well. But certainly from the mill and from the chamber perspective, commuter targeting commuters and being able to attract them to stay and you know there's massive as I said a brain drain a lot of people in middle senior management going up to Dublin every day so if we can do whatever we can to encourage them to either work locally or from my perspective set up a business locally yes. that's, and you know hopefully go to 20, 25 uh-huh. uh, just like uh, Paycheck Plus you know that's a win for everyone Absolutely and look at the pressure it takes off services and roads mm. uh, into Dublin as well it's, it has to be a no brainer stay with us on Late Lunch we're talking business and our featured business today is Paycheck Plus. Its founder, Anne Riley, is with us. And we're going to get some more words of wisdom from the lady herself right after this break. And I want to come back to you. And I suppose in, in, in the number of years you've been operating and starting out on your own and building this business to what it is today, there have been, I'm sure, highs and lows. What was the greatest challenge if you had to pick one thing during your time in business? The greatest challenge? Wow, that's that's a, a tough question. There's been so many, I suppose. Um, yes, I mean, the banking crisis was absolutely massive and trying to come up with a solution for our overseas clients who were depending on us to look after their funds and pay their employees on time. So that was massive. But, you know, I reached out for help and I got it. And um, Transfermate came on board and designed a solution that enabled us to transfer money around the world, which was amazing. And we still work with them today. Um, challenges it's always making sure that our team are happy and doing the best that they can do so we invest significantly in ongoing training and development and we've designed a career path for them so that they know where they're heading and of course they all aspire to to go from you know um 
a medium level, I suppose you'd call it, or where they've they have a lot of of experience in payroll. But to get to that senior payroll level, where they're working with the most complex global clients, and um, that's that can be challenging as well to to keep them motivated because it is a very busy environment. They're handling multiple payrolls all on 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 the desk at the same time, so to speak. Although we do only allow one file on the desk, just in case they're listening in. Um, so you know there are lots of things to make sure the clients are always happy and it's it's a zero def- default business because nobody wants their payroll half right or wants it late it has to be on time and ructions is the word right. I think of yes <laughs> absolutely so you know to, to meet all those deadlines can be very very challenging and for the team to hang in there time after time and give you know to stay that extra half an hour to make sure it's all right and it's it's all operating as it should that that is amazing and without the people that we have that couldn't happen so it's really down to them so that's a very important strand here's another thing you did a lovely interview with the Irish Times in 2017 after you won another of your awards <laughs> and, and and tell us you, you've been up for the gongs lately again haven't you we have yeah and so in 2017 we won best payroll company in the yeah. world in the uh, world are you listening world, folks yes and um, our senior payroll specialist, Michelle Melia, was highly commended as payroll specialist in the world. This year, we were shortlisted for three awards. The company was up again. Unfortunately, we didn't win that one, which we have to give someone else a chance. Ah, yes. Um, but um, Niall Clark, who's from Dundalk, a real Dundalk FC fan, um, Niall won. Uh, he was highly commended payroll specialist. And our star of the show this year was Brona Grogan, who won Global Payroll Manager of the Year. So to be the best in the world at managing payroll, it's just phenomenal and we're we're just so proud to have her on, on Having our Having them team. tied down on long-term <laughs> contracts to use a well, football, you know, it was, it a football phrase. The very next day we saw a lot of these recruitment companies reaching out and I said, don't you dare answer those. <laughs> no, I never stop anybody from moving on because it is important that they continue to move on and fresh blood coming in is always good. But we hope that these people don't go too soon. <laughs> ah, of course. The other thing uh, in that uh, lovely piece you did with The Times, you said, and I quote you, I recognise now, I didn't see it then, but asking for help is actually a sign of strength, not Mm. weakness. Now, Mm. would you just develop that a bit? Because we have two men, you're flanked by two gentlemen either side here, who are in the business of supporting and helping through the chamber, through the mill as well. Mm. And and it's the likes of of the chamber and the mill and the enterprise board and the loud network and on all the different agencies that have helped me get to where I am. And I think by, you know... um, Portraying your your vulnerability, I suppose, is really important and and admitting when you need help and asking for it because the help is definitely there. And I continue to do that. Um, Yesterday I met a lady and I I am going to go back and ask her, will she be my mentor for a couple of sessions? Although I have another mentor, but she just came from a different angle. And I think it's important to ask for that help. On the other side, I give back as well, because I think, you know, when when you get, it's very important to give back. So I'm a lead for a programme called Acorns and it's um, a government initiative to support female rural entrepreneurs, which is really good because a lot of the time there is a lot of help for people in the major cities in Cork, Limerick, Galway and Dublin, of course. Whereas in Drogheda here, we're deemed to be rural, believe it or not. Um, And women like me need help from other women as well. So, you know, it is important to to ask for it and get it and and share our experiences and what we've learned of what has gone right, what has gone wrong. Hopefully share share and, and save somebody you know, the same mistakes that I've made myself. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, quick word before we finish to Brendan first and, and then to Ken. Just a building on what Anne says there. The mill, always open your always door. Always open and uh, always ready to give advice. It goes back to what you mentioned earlier on, Jerry. 
you know, about actioning. I, I do actually, I forgot to mention at the time, but, you know, people constantly do come to me and say, oh, we have this idea, oh, we've had this idea for a few years, but if you don't do anything about it, it's it's dead. There's no point in even talking about it. You actually have to action upon it. So, uh, and my one final point is just to follow up on what um, Anne said there about giving back. And I know she's been very strong on the ACON programme. We have a Illuminate Female programme. She's come in and spoken to them as well. And I see her involved in Network Loud. So it's great to see that uh, community of entrepreneurs supporting each other. So thank you. It very is much, brilliant. Anne. Ken, and just remind everybody again it is Drahada Chamber. 125 years you're celebrating. And tomorrow's a very special day. Just remind us again. So, again, half seven tomorrow night in the D Hotel, we're celebrating the massive milestone. So, it's just after our AGM. Um, in the D Hotel, so we're asking all members, past, present. There's going to be a big, big uh, gathering together. Any anybody coming to become a member? So we're asking everybody to come down to the D Hotel and celebrate this massive milestone, one of the longest serving chambers in Ireland at the moment. So it's it's, it's fantastic. Really With fantastic members like Anne here. And well, it's, it's it just epitomises what the chamber is all about and what Anne does in terms of that support system and 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 growing businesses through their phases and cycles. So. We have a massive, massive skill uh, and expertise in, in, in the council and the membership. So, it's, it's so if you s- haven't engaged, now is the opportunity on this landmark date and time, 125 years. You'll be most welcome tomorrow. Thank you all for joining Thanks, me Jerry. again. Let me say to you, Anne Riley, it's a pleasure to feature you on uh, our Focus on Business today. Continued success to you and Paycheck Plus and all your staff. Thank You're you, just wonderful. Thank you for joining me, Thanks, all Jerry. of you on Thanks. the show today. Thank you. Thank you. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio this Wednesday afternoon. Just reminding you on Sunday next, the 9th of June, Belorgan Park and Dock is the place to be. Yes, it's the County Loud Agricultural Show. There's so much going on there for adults and children. There's a bunny, baby arts, crafts, food, trade stands, a free children's zone as well. It's not only about the farming, there's so much more. And on this uh, fabulous day out, Remember, it's free for children to attend and there's no charge for parking either. So there are two positives there at Belorgan this Sunday. And if you'd like to win some free tickets to get in there with complimentary food on the day and gourmet goodies galore, check out LMFM's Facebook page. That's the County Loud Agricultural Show this Sunday the 9th in Belorgan Park. Enjoy. Winners of our competitions today. Yes, Barry Cummins was with us early on. Uh, at the start of the show, his book vanished. It's brilliant. Uh, signed copy is going to Nicholas Coyle in the Nall today. Well done to you, Nicholas. Dublin was the answer I was looking for. He's a dub, Barry, of course. And uh, we also have that €100 Euro one-for-all voucher given to us by Windsor Clonee. They're Nissan and Peugeot dealers. They're celebrating the 192 Open Day this Saturday, so get along and check them out. And all entrants into the competition today go into the draw at our live broadcast. LMFM will be there. Windsor Clanny this Saturday and you could win a family pass to Dublin Zoo but the winner of the 100 one for all voucher this afternoon on late lunch giving me a distance of 201 kilometres from Clanny to Galway City is Darren Ford from Navin. Well done to you, Darren. We'll be in touch. Dorn Motors are celebrating 40 years in business. It all began in 1979, and we're going to hear the story now because I'm joined on later late lunch. You've met him many times. Peter Dorn is here. His wife, Angela, is with him today, and daughter, Therese. And we say hello to Kevin. Somebody, obviously, Peter, had to look after the shop when you're all here. Kevin was the one to lose out, was he? Kevin got the shots straw today, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's the lucky one. 
I no. don't think so. I, well, maybe he is in yeah, another way. Is, yeah. I've never sat in those seats over there, so yes. you know better mm-hmm. than me. Yeah. Anyway, may I say congratulations to all of you because it's a wonderful achievement to be 40 years in business. Can you remember 79 and how it all began? I can, Jerry. yeah. And thank you for giving us the time today. Um, and I'd like to just thank all the customers down through the years before I tell my story and to invite them to our open evening if they didn't get a, um, a card or a text or an email because it's hard to um, get to everybody. So it's an open invitation for all our customers. Um, started in 1979 at the back. Of my, my, my dad built a little shed for me because I was out in the cold and the wet and he, I think he felt sorry for me. And I was always into cars from when I was 12, 14. And he built a little um, shed for me, um, the whole two cars. And I started to do repairs. First of all, um, I left school when I was about 15. Didn't like school, uh, as <clears throat> most young people didn't, young boys. And um, I went to work in um, Gilmersh and Kingsford and served my time for five years. Got fantastic training there, I have to say. Really got good training. Hard work and good training. So that was the platform So for life. And then I, you had to do five years apprenticeship at that stage, and you worked five and a half day a week. And then um, after five years, um, I decided I was going to move on. So I went to work in the P&T in Dublin as a mechanic, and I did not like Dublin life. So I came back home, and my father had the shed built, and I'd been working in it previous, uh, the, in the evenings and so on. And I just took it up full time. Mother was not impressed to leave a government job. Oh, <laughs> that was the wettest of us. Oh, but, listen, people, yeah. the permanent pensionable yes, position. I had it all, but yeah, I went outside and I started to batter an old cow, and that was the uh, <laughs> that was the conversation over. And um, <clears throat> thank God, um, it's been lucky, you know. Um, the people have been good to us. We've been lucky. We had good health. We built up great staff and great um, customers who became a lot of our friends. And I have to say, it's been a good story. Thank Mm. God. It's not just luck. You do need luck, I know, on that road as well. But this doesn't happen by accident. It's hard work. It's business acumen. It's spotting an opportunity. How long did you stay in that two-vehicle shed for? I probably stayed for about three years, I would say. Maybe four. Working away there. Working away. Getting plenty of business. Yeah, it was grand for one-man show. And then Mm. my first employee came to me in that little shed and um, who was now doing his own thing in America, doing quite well. With his who own was that? A fellow called Peter Kelly from Mountloon. Okay. Yeah, used to ride his bicycle to me every day. And it was, <laughs> there was just room for the two of us, but it was a great relationship. And um, it was really tough times. Back in those days, Jerry, money was very, very tight. Oh, my. Tell me about money. I remember. I started work myself in 79, yeah. and I know how hard it, it was. It really was. It was mm. physical hard work. But the one thing I will say is, People were very loyal, you know. They'd come along and they'd give you the business if they could, you know. And even though they hadn't the money, they would work with you. And um, it was a fantastic time. You know, loyalty was there. Mm. And money was very tight. And you just worked hard and you just built up your business flowing. So to give me the milestones from the shed of two to your first premises away from the house. When did that happen? 1984. We built a new house. We got married in 1984, October. And we built a brand new house and a garage together. And um, there definitely was no money then. So we were on the bread line for a long, long time. But um, we got the garage finished and we started there. Okay, that was the beginning. Angela, come in. It's lovely to meet you on Late Lunch. You're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Ray. Where did you meet this fella? How did you know him? (laughs) Where a lot of people met. We met in Granada in Kingscott. Oh, the Granada ballroom. Do you remember who was playing the night you first set eyes on him? No, I actually can't. (laughs) (laughs) And did you pick him out or did he pick you? I'm always curious about this. Which way did it work? Uh, 
uh, a bit of both, I think. All right, OK. 50-50, <laughs> phone a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and did you take off straight away from, you know, you yeah. started? Was yeah. that it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, from that on. Yeah. yeah. That was it. There was no doubt about it. No. no. You get married and he's at what he said there. You know that decision to build a house, build a business, we cited in 84. You know, you need full support from everybody in the family. You were right behind them all the way. Yeah, oh, always, yeah. 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 always there to back mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, whatever needed to be done, we worked together. Yeah, yeah. Angela done the yeah. paperwork, i done the... The, the actual physical work. Yes. The so you've always been in the business yeah. doing that end of things behind the scenes and you are today. Yes. Yeah, yeah I still work in the business. <gasps> is it tough when you, you know, your husband and wife and you're running a, a business? I know a home is a business, but you know what I mean? Yes. A, a business yeah. where you're employing people and you need to sell. Is yeah. that is that? Well, difficult. Peter works, he's out front, so he works in sales and I'm more in the background and I work in the accounts. So it's so we're totally different areas. It's a dovetail yeah. effect, yeah. is it? Yeah. Mm. Well, well separated. <laughs> plenty of steps between us. Some days it's needed. <laughs> of course, this picture's in that working life. Yeah. So the, the, the business at the home, you moved on from there again. When did that happen? 19, uh, 1988, we bought a, a site, a farm actually, on the Cragmacross road next door to the oasis and in 99 we opened up the current garage that we have where you today. are there yes we are when did Drogheda happen Drogheda car 2012 sales. yes you've really put a footprint down yeah. in this town haven't you since you opened yeah, up the yeah I have to say North the people road. in Drogheda have been brilliant to us you know no, you know, they've been brilliant and the support the high underbrand and the staff is fantastic and again met being lucky met great customers great brand to sell good staff and like that a good team up there Frank and, and and all the team, Kevin and all Sean, all the team up there, they're, they're really, really a rock. So mm. yeah, you, you just leave it to them. That's what yeah. you do. And they yeah. do it. Uh, Jerry Ryan, as you know, RTE or 2FM marked 40 yes. years and with a special re- uh, rejig of Jerry as well the other day. Usher brought the house down. Mm. Did he open he one of your places? Motors, mm-hmm. Yes, he opened up Don Motors in 1979. An absolute gentleman. Yes, very natural to come. So a real connection with Dorans oh. and the late Jerry Ryan. Just yes. wanted to mention that today. Yeah. Let's bring in the next generation. Therese is sitting patiently by to talk to me today. How are you, Jerry? I'm good. You're in the business now. I am, yeah. I joined in 2013. Um, started out in sales first and then went into finance. And currently between finance, marketing, sales, a bit of everything. You're multi-talented, multi-skilled. <laughs> so we'll ask you the same question. So dad and mum are working together and now you're in it and the boy himself, Kevin, is there as well. We are, yeah. Happy we're families. <laughs> <laughs> we're well used to each other, isn't that what it takes? Um, we're supposed, when you grow up in a family, especially a business family, you're so used to adapting and being out and about and you're working weekends, you tend to be out meeting people, customers, you're helping out, whether it's washing cars, whether it was doing paperwork, whatever it was through the years. So we know no better. We grew up in it and kept going. And is that where you always saw yourself? You you saw yourself as being part of the business. Was that always the plan? No, no. Um, I started out in um, interior design and worked in Australia for a number of years. Did you? How long were you in Australia? Yeah, we were in Australia four years. And uh, came Did home you miss in, it? Oh, we, we missed home. We did. Yeah, yeah. yeah, myself and my husband came home in 2013 and we started, well, we needed to, to get jobs. Mm. So we started in the garage um, temporarily and still here now in 2019. And has Kevin always been there or has he been away at all? Kevin's always been, yeah. Um, yeah, Kevin, for me, was 12 or 13, as, you know, like myself. Been yes. Like, he took a year out to travel the world last year. 
So get that out of his system. Well, we'd see. <laughs> we'd see. Watch this place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you love about being part of this store and empire at this stage? It is. It's a family business. And I suppose growing up in it, being a family, you know, you're so used to working with mum and dad. You're used to how everyone adapts to each other. Also, we'd have a lot of staff like Francie Jones, Fine O'Neill, who'd be there 30 years. Yes. Their family as well. A lot of the staff would be, mm, you'd, staff. you'd call on anybody any yeah. day. So we'd rely a lot yeah. on that. How many people in total have you in employment? We've over 60 inside, yeah. It's between it's 40, probably about 43, 45 in Carrick and the remainder under Hada. And there is definitely, most of the staff is 20 plus. The majority of them is 20, 25 years plus, And then there's two, 20, 32 or 33 years. And the rest then is 10 years. So mm. our staff's with us a long time. They're, yeah. they're a great staff. So family, staff loyalty, customer loyalty. Yeah. Great brands as well. You great have brands, to say. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Brands you started what? What was your, was it Subaru? No, or? I actually started um, very different than anybody else. Um, I was always doing repairs. And believe it or not, I started um, doing Japanese imports when... IVI. IVI is the one. That's the one. I started there and I became a big dealer in that. And then I took on Subaru when the rallies were big. Mm. I was a big Subaru dealer. Subaru was the one, yeah. yeah. um, Great cars as well. Fantastic car. Oh, yeah. Young people loved it. Rally cars. Yes, yeah. Massive following. Great car. Mm. And then we took on Mazda in uh, 1995. And then we took on Hyundai in 2001. Skoda 2005. And so on. Yeah. That's the rest has been history at this stage. You mentioned this very special event you're having. When is that on? Just tell us again. It's is on it? tomorrow evening. Tomorrow. So it's tomorrow, yes, Thursday evening. Tomorrow, th- yeah, yeah. From half six to eleven. In we, Carrick. Yeah. In the garage. In the garage. We have a pretty big lineup, so we have. And um, <clears throat> we're trying to cater for everybody, so we are. And um, <clears throat> we have Des Cahill from RTE. Ah, oh, great man! You're going to yeah. really enjoy him. Look at this for lineup. I was talking to him last week. I see them here. Colin O'Rourke. He was on the show with me yeah. about the new championship structures. Just today, Pat McEnany, the most famous referee in Ireland. You also have Stephen Hunt, the yes. Irish soccer international mm-hmm. player. Professor Niall Miner. He knows everything about training yeah. and fitness. Better mention them all. Damien Freeman's there, the uh, inter county yeah. star, of course, as well. Neve Kinlan, the all Monaghan star. ladies, yeah. and Kieran Rosney. Yes, the well-known Kieran Rosney. So you have a great lineup. Six thirty tomorrow, celebrating forty years. Dorn Motors, Carrick Macross, everybody welcome. Yes, all our customers that we didn't get a postcard to or a text or an email, you should have got them, but with but one thing and another, it's possible. You're more than welcome. It's open for everybody. Yeah. Open for everybody tomorrow evening. We're delighted to acknowledge great Thank friends you. of LMFM, Dorn yeah. Motors. Yeah. Continued success, I say to you all again. Thank you've you done a great sure. job been, for 40 you've been years. You've brilliant to us over the last number Not of years. at all. You're so welcome. We're delighted to do it. And here's to the next 40 in the, the custody of Therese and Kevin and more beyond as well. Please Thank come. you for joining Thank me. You, Congratulations. Okay. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Wednesday afternoon. We'll leave you in the company of UB40 and Kingston Town. See you tomorrow, one thirty.
Blackstone Motors, get low as can be APR, zero deposit required and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.